This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. I'm Molly Dyer. The date of today's episode is June 2nd, 2021. If you're listening, wherever in the world you are, I hope you're keeping tabs on the news. I live in Texas, you may already know that. And our governor, Greg Abbott, Greg fucking Abbott, just passed a bill banning abortions after six weeks. Most women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks, and there are no exceptions, by the way, not even for rape or incest. Harris County District Attorney Christian Menefee said this, quote, Senate Bill 8 is a blatantly unconstitutional attempt by Texas Republican leadership to misuse civil courts to restrict women's access to health care and to allow anti-choice activists to target and penalize health care providers. This bill is morally reprehensible and legally nonsense, end quote. Please tell me again how there is no war on women. I urge you to research this travesty further, especially how anyone, quote, aiding and abetting, end quote, someone seeking an abortion past six weeks, even giving someone a ride to a clinic, or donating money to a woman's center that performs abortion services, or loaning someone money to get an abortion, can be charged with a crime. Under his eye, Welcome to Gilead. May the Lord open. Fuck the Texas legislation and fuck Greg Abbott. And also, while I'm at it, fuck Ted Cruz. I've had so many requests for the topic of today's episode. And thanks to my listener, Fiona Went in Perth, Western Australia. Hi, Fiona. I reached out to an author and practitioner of this particular path, and he agreed to be interviewed. My guest today is Kobe Michael, and the topic of today's episode is The Poison Path. Kobe Michael is an entheogenic herbalist, an occult practitioner, and author of the upcoming book The Poison Path Herbal, which comes out October 5th, and is currently available for pre-order on Amazon, Inner Traditions, and Barnes and & Noble, and I've already pre-ordered my copy and can't wait. He says his practices and studies span a pretty broad range of traditions. He's a practitioner of folk witchcraft and occult herbalism. Like me, he is non-theistic, worships no gods, but has connection to many spirits. He's been on his path studying and practicing witchcraft and the occult for nearly 20 years. He facilitates a number of classes on the poison path, as well as classes on entheogenic herbs, flying ointments, and plant spirit familiars. He's currently in Indiana, but said he is literally all over the place. He's a Leo with Pisces and Aries, and his favorite Sabbaths are Samhain and Saturnalia. He says his greatest gift is his ability to feel things very strongly, which sometimes acts as a bit of a burden. I'm sure most of us can agree. It's my pleasure to welcome Kobe Michael to Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. Hi, Kobe. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And before we start anything at all, I want to pass along a little bit of information to those listening as to what entheogenic herbs are. I'm going to, I'm going to give the Oxford Dictionary definition. Uh, it defines it as plant matter that is ingested to produce a non-ordinary state of consciousness for religious or spiritual purposes. And that would include plants like ayahuasca, peyote, psilocybin, uh, which are shrooms, etc. Not like LSD, because that's a man-made substance and not a plant. 
plant. Does that sound about right to you? Um, that is about right. Um, LSD is arguably entheogenic. Um, you know, if we're looking at it from a strictly plant-based perspective, then yes, they would just be, you know, plants that that introduce these altered states for religious and spiritual purposes. So as far as that definition, how would you simplify uh, entheogenic herbs? Um, entheogen comes from a two different Greek words that literally mean to generate the divine within. So it would be anything that we would use um, to connect with spirit, to connect with divinity, um, to connect with um, just that more more subtle part of ourself, more subtle part of reality. Um, they're not necessarily always going to be psychedelic. He whipped out Greek already, you guys. This is going to be good. <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you for clarifying that. And I will also say there's sort of a companion to that. And that is, if I if I remember, uh, orionogenic? An onirogen, yes. And that is, that's what induces like a, like poppies, like a dreamlike state, correct? Definitely, definitely. So that would kind of be under the umbrella of entheogen. Um, so it is to kind of get in touch with that more spiritual side but specifically through the realm of dreams. Um, so they're just kind of categorized a little bit differently based on how they get you there. Okay. All right, so your upcoming book, which I gotta tell you, I'm so fucking excited about this book. <laughs> the Poison Path Herbal is what the new book is gonna be called. It's all about the path of witchcraft and herbalism that is woefully underrepresented on the interwebs. Like if you were to Google poison path you'll see like the first entry is a book called beneficium by daniel shulke which i really it's been part of my library for several years now and i'm very fond of it but followed by several entries about kobe michael and a few other books and that's kind of it unless there's a different way to word that i'm unaware of any any great source for uh poisoner's path, the poison path, etc. So in Daniel Schulke's Venisium, he wrote, this is a quote, poison, like witch, is a word burdened with problematic associations. In vulgar parlance, it has come to indicate an agent of destruction, be it of spirit, mind, or body, whose inevitable bequests are wounding and death. However, ancient definitions often implied a poison's healing nature as well as its capacity for harm end quote. Now, as I've stated before on this podcast, I am also a practitioner of the poison path. I celebrate the title of Vinifica for myself, and a portion of my apothecary is a poisoner's apothecary. However, having said that, as I am self-taught, I'm a self-taught poisoner, I decided to make this an interview podcast because I'm not really, I would not say I'm an expert on the subject. And so it's not a solo podcast. I practice it largely intuitively and I do research and I've read as much as I can, but you are much more versed and studied than I am as a poisoner. So I'm going to let you tell most of this story. So let's begin by talking about what the poison path is and what it isn't. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's a long story. I realize that, but I'm ready to listen. It really is. Um, you know, to to call it the poison path, which was a term that um, came around in the 90s, um, the author Dale Pendle um, in his book series started calling it that. It it almost sets it apart as this, this sort of separate thing. Um, and while in a lot of respects it definitely is, you know, its own 
own practice and own own realm of you know plant chemistry and uh, plant spirits and things like that it does kind of fall under the greater umbrella of you know occult herbalism um, up until you know the 1900s a lot of these herbs like deadly nightshade and wolfsbane and things like that that we just really don't hear anything about anymore uh, you know those were still being used in 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 medicine in pharmaceutical medicine um, you know, we even see see wolfsbane is, is still used in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, that was wolfsbane. Yep, wolfsbane. It does it goes under a different name um, in Chinese medicine. I couldn't tell you what that is because I don't speak Chinese. Um, I'm guess I'm guessing it's not aconite in in Chinese. No, I think it's it's like fungi, something like along those lines. Um, but they have been, you know, kind of a vi- very viable part of of medicine for a very long time. Um, and we're sort of just now kind of getting getting back into them. They sort of have, have fallen out of use. And like you said, there's just not a lot of information out there on them, um, you know, especially from the perspective of magical practice and witchcraft in particular. Uh, you know, you could look under the category of ethnobotany or ethnobotanicals, and then you'll get a, a much more broader scope of of plants um, from all over the world where in my personal practice I do sort of center more so on plants that are native to Europe and North America Um, but ethnobotanicals have been used by by different cultures all over the world um, for millennia Um, and they have this dual purpose of um, you know being both medicinal but also having some kind of spiritual or religious significance too. Um, and we see that also in ancient Greece um, with the pharmacon. Um, it's just kind of this idea of this plant or this substance that was medicinal, magical, aphrodisiac, and you know potentially poisonous all, all wrapped up into one. Excellent. So when you talk about what it is and what it's not, uh... I, I have a lot, uh, there are a lot of people I think that have the misunderstanding that the poison path is tread by witches who just want to murder people and just want to <laughs> poison people. That's, that's kind of what it sounds like upon first hearing it. I'm a poisoner. I walk the poison path. I, I practice poison craft. And that's kind of what it sounds like. And that's absolutely part of it. It could be. Uh, but. But as I mentioned a moment ago in the book Beneficium, uh, he does write that it's not—it's—it's it's twofold. Poisons are twofold. They can be used to heal and to harm. Uh, and I think that I generally tend to, you and I have another thing in common, by the way, uh, and I'll get back to what I was saying. We both practice sort of a folk witchcraft uh, and also poison path. So I generally leave off the poisoner part. If I'm explaining to somebody sort of uh, from the ground up, what kind of witchcraft, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's a, it's a loaded question, but that's an even more loaded answer. So I just kind of like pick my battles when I, yeah. I'm telling someone, what do you practice? And I said, well, you know, uh, Appalachian folk magic, it's kind of bastardized, but that's pretty much what it is. And then period, <laughs> that's it. So, you know, I think when someone asks you what kind, they're not prepared uh, for an answer like I, I'm a, I'm a poisoner. I have a poisoner's apothecary in my house. Definitely so, not. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So moving on a little bit, when uh, someone hears the term spirit familiars, it might conjure up an image of like an animal or like a cat or a toad or a goat. It might also conjure up the idea of a daemon or an imp. However, you, I have heard uh, many things from you so far that you use plant spirit familiars and people might not be immediately familiar with that term. Let's talk about plant spirit familiars and how you define that. Um, so a plant spirit familiar is just kind of the, the collective um, consciousness of a specific group of plants. Um, you know, we recognize that each individual plant has its own individual spark and its own ind individual spirit. The, the species or the, the genus of the plant, the, the broader category that it belongs to, um, also has its, its own spirit. So while we can, you know, kind of grow a plant and work with it in our own physical proximity, um, you know, working with the individual plant spirit, um, we're also connecting to that, that greater, broader spirit. Um, you know, so the, the spirit of deadly nightshade is the spirit of, of all of the, the different deadly nightshade plants collectively, all of the different um, myths and folklore and things sort of associated to it that have sort of, you know, become this, this entity. And with, with poisonous plants in particular, um, they have been really linked with with witches witchcraft and magical practice inextric inextricably for you know thousands of years um you know looking all the way back to roman greece the the, the terminology um, was even equivalent where we have interchangeable words for witch and for poisoner and for um, poison and for magical plants so um you know i kind of embrace the the name poisoner um, as well, just because I, I think it's just representative of that that dualistic meaning and kind of that more more I hate to say traditional or more historic um, definition of the the word. Um, but I think it does kind of kind of spooks certain people. So when I you know when I'm speaking to witches, magical practitioners, um, in that sort of capacity, I'll generally refer to it as as poison path. Um, but when I'm speaking to a more broader audience, I would generally refer to it as, as entheogenic herbalism. Okay, that makes perfect sense because that sounds more like science and not yeah. necessarily like witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I wanna ask you, do you have uh, a specific sort of collection or small number of poison herbs that you that are your go-tos or that you prefer or have sort of a fondness for than others? I do. Um, so there's ones that I work with really frequently um, in my work in you know providing these formulas for other people that I seem to work with on a more regular basis. So you know, like Datura is very, very popular. Um, so I do a lot with that. But um, for me personally, it's more um, Deadly Nightshade, Wolfsbane, Hellbore, um, those are my my three favorites that I work with quite a bit. So I I, I want to bring up real quick. We'll talk about your book here in just a moment. But on your website, uh, this 
caused me to salivate a little bit. You're offering a Poisoner's Collection that's going to be available for pre-order. Rather, it is available for pre-order right now and will ship out around the 20th of June or so on the summer solstice around there. I want to know what this Poisoner's Collection is, and you can bet I'm going to pre-order one of these things. So let's talk about what's included in this collection, if you will, and also part B, I want to talk about how shape-shifting relates to the Poison Path. All right, yeah. So um, the, the Poisoner's Collections are, are they're basically mystery boxes that I've started doing on kind of a seasonal basis, and I'll kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah, I give them, you know, sort of a theme, um, but I'll also include things that kind of go along with the season. So the last one was springtime. Um, so I did a lot of seeds and things to help like, start the garden, um, things like that. But the summer theme is going to be shape-shifting, um, transformation. Okay, so that's the theme of the box. Yeah, yeah. I got it. The shape-shifting is the theme of the poison path. That's that's how it relates to shape-shifting. Yeah. Okay, got it. Please continue. I apologize for the interruption. Yeah, so the box are um, based on the theme for the season, and then they'll include different oils, ointments, um, jewelry, charms, um, you know, different little little ritual implements and things like that that are all sort of built around this theme. Um, so last time I had, um, I did a nightshade ink, I had a, a spell oil, a Damiana elixir, there was, um, you know, these ornate little potion bottles, um, some botanical illustrations, so just different things like that. So some really great, really nice little uh, poisoner goodies then. It's kind of a- Yeah, they're very, <laughs> very fun to put together. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm not joking. I'm probably gonna order one of those when we get off this, <laughs> off this interview today. <laughs> also on your website, uh, let, me give, let me give your website. It's thepoisonersapothecary.com, correct? That's correct. Okay. On that website, uh, you are off also offering something called phylacteries, which a phylactery, I think that is the the a wooden or leather box that traditionally a Hasidic Jew wears on their forehead, and it is to contain energy, I think. I might be wrong. If I am, please forgive me. I will correct myself when we're done. You don't have to write me and tell me I'm stupid. Uh, but they're also considered uh, like it's a small vial of, uh, of a potion, I believe, a phylactery. Is it not? Um, yeah, I kind of took the combined the, the traditional Hasidic Jewish definition of a phylactery with a little bit more fantasy um, role playing games and um, a phylactery being sort of a container that it holds a soul or a spirit. So it's basically a fa fancy name for a spirit vessel. That's right. Okay, so these are these fantastic little glass vials that you have in your shop that are filled with uh things like cemetery moss which already i know people are going oh my god i want one of those so bad just because i have a lot of goths that listen to this podcast <laughs> also like po po poison herbs uh and then one has like the bone from a toad's foot which is unfortunately sold out if you get any more of those just shoot me an email because i'm gonna i'm gonna snap it up there's also a phylactery containing belladonna and a bat's claw so tell me about like how you're sourcing these things. That is incredible. And I would wear that everywhere. Yeah, those have been really popular. Um, they just, they contain different botanical and zoological components. Um, you know, specifically, 
herbs that are a little bit darker, a little bit more associated with magic or, um, you know, kind of the, the shadow aspect of things and animals that are traditionally associated with witchcraft and seen as their familiars. So um, bats, toads, coyotes, um, different things like that. Um, so everything, of course, is, is ethically sourced. I have a, a friend of mine that runs an oddity shop here in town and um, deals with a lot of different taxidermists and um, all these different vulture culture people. And so I'm just really lucky that I kind of have access to all of these just really strange things that I'm able to give them new life and incorporate them into this um, this jewelry. Yeah, that's really, I have, uh, I think we discussed this over email. I have um, in, in my Poisoner's Apothecary, I, I have some curio uh, jars as well that have things like I think I said I've got chicken feet and I've got you know like scorpions that are that have been dried and uh, that, that were ethically they died and they, they've been dried out and then also some things like teeth and animals skulls and bones uh, and you literally have toe a frog in one of your uh, phylacteries so you can <laughs> bet that when you get one more of those please let me know and I love also that the uh, phylactery that has the wolf bone in it is used for trickster magic which is perfect i'm sorry not wolf coyote your has a coyote bone in it and because coyote is is a trickster so i think that's wonderful uh yeah. and they are in little glass vials and they're sort of capped with like uh, i'm not sure if it's sterling silver or just like a shiny silver metal do they come with a chain are they just just the amulet only how do how do you do that normally um yeah they do they come on the the beaded um the rosary style necklace um they're all black and then the, the little metal caps it's like a antique silver antique pewter something something Excellent. along those lines yeah if you if you want to see what i'm talking about go to the poisoners apothecary.com and just scroll through his shop and you will probably fall into a whole of time suck like i did i got lost and looked at everything it's wonderful so all right so one more thing before we launch into the book talk because i do want to talk about that of course uh, on your website you speak of witching herbs and a lot of your amulets and charms are these the 13 witching herbs from harold roth's book of the same name um yes they're not going to be strictly limited to those 13 but they're going to be any herbs that have had historically uh, a continuous and, and repeat association with magical practice, with divination, with spell work, uh, with witches in general. Excellent. Okay. I, it rang a bell with me. So if you're listening uh, real quick, since I mentioned 13 witching herbs uh, from Harold Roth's book, they are poppy, clary sage, yarrow, rue, hyssop, vervain, mugwort, wormwood, datura, wild tobacco, henbane, belladonna, and mandrake. I didn't want to say 13 witching herbs and just leave people hanging. So, uh, because that would piss me off really badly. <laughs> Go look it up. No, here it is. All right, now here's the part I'm really looking forward to. Let's talk about your book, The Poison Path Herbal. First, is this your first published book? This is my first published book, yes. Excellent. Congratulations. I think that's so exciting. Now, as an herbal, it sounds like it is, and again, I've never seen it because I've pre-ordered it. It's not released until October 5th, but it sounds as, as the word herbal, it sounds like it's maybe largely going to be an encyclopedia of herbs used by poisoners and vinifica. And do you also, is that accurate, A, and B, 
Are you including any spells in this book? <laughs> it is. The book is so many different things, and it's you know it's taken three years just to get it put together and put on paper. Um, you know, not counting the the research time. So it is. It's everything that I sort of wanted and hoped for as like a little witch and poisoner. Um, you know, first learning about plants like these. Um, you know, learning that mandrake and wolfsbane and deadly nightshade weren't just, um, you know, made up ingredients to make something sound spooky, but that they were really, you know, actual usable herbs with traditions behind them. Um, so it's, it's a collection of folklore, history, mythology, you know, all of the correspondence and magical information for, um, I don't even know how many, <laughs> how many plants are in there. Um, quite a few of them. Um, all that sort of information that you look for when you're trying to work with a plant in magic or in ritual. Um, some of it that I've found, you know, through my own research, um, you know, others is, is sort of my own experimentation and some of my own ideas and things that I've learned or discovered just through working with these herbs over the years. Um, so it does include some spell work. Um, it does include quite a few recipes. Uh, I think I'm in between, I want to say 25 and um, 30 different recipes. Mm. Um, so we're talking things from flying ointments to incense smoking blends, um, infused honeys, inks, um, all using, you know, witching herbs or entheogenic herbs or poisonous plants. Um, does it come with like you know, like suitable sort of warnings also for what you can and should not ingest. Yeah, there is a big disclaimer at the beginning. Um, and also, you know, that was a, a really big part of why I wanted to write the book is because there really isn't this information that's out there readily available to say, you know, hey, this is this plant. This is how you need to work with it. This is how much you should take. Um, you know, this is what you shouldn't do that's all kind of just just scattered around out there so yeah. sort of compiled it all in, in one place so people can not only learn about you know the magical correspondences and the history of the plants but also and more importantly how to work with them practically as spell ingredients and as as entheogens perfect so if you when you when you get this book because i know that there are so many of you listening that have been waiting for the poisoners path uh podcast episode on this on this podcast when you get this book make sure you read that first part and then read it again close the book flip it over turn yourself around and then open it and read it again and then and take every bit of it because there are this is called a poison path for a reason so there are lots and lots of things that you should never put in your mouth or in anybody else's mouth by the way i'm just gonna say that too so don't, just don't do it unless you are very well aware of the consequences and what could hurt you So let me ask you, so you, you mentioned you've been practicing witchcraft for about 20 years. How, how long of that have you been on this poison path? Um, that has been for just under 10 years, actually. That's a long time for, that's half of your practice. That's, that is a very good long time. I, and I can tell in your writing on your website and on the, uh, 
the, the Facebook uh, discussion group of your that you run that I'm on, that you're very well versed, and uh, I'm very happy to hear that someone didn't write a book on the poison path that's been doing it for like a year and a half. You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad that you are knowledgeable enough about it to have been studying it for about 10 years. So what advice would you give to someone that is actively seeking out information on the poisoner's path? And where would you direct someone other than your own website uh, to gain information and insight on the poison path? That's, that's a difficult thing to, as we mentioned, to research right now. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> the first thing is to don't get hung up on the entheogenic aspect of it. You know, they're, they're powerful, powerful plants that, aside from their, their mind-altering effects, they have these immense spirits and they have these rich, rich, rich lineages of, of lore and magical use behind them that, you know, ingesting them simply for, you know, a mind-altering effect is only a very small part of what they have to offer so you know working with them in spell work working with them as plant spirit familiars kind of in that meditative sort of communion um, different things like that is a huge part of it too so it's not just a bunch of witches that you know want to get fucked up or um, right you know things like that Um, as far as where else to go I always direct people to Harold Roth because he's been a huge Mm -hmm. huge um, resource of, of knowledge and, and information when there was none. Yes. Um, and yeah, his website is alchemy-works.com. Um, there's a lot of really awesome, you know, just information on the website. Um, he also has seeds and growing information and things like that. So I always recommend Harold. Um, well, side note, I'm actually working on doing a little interview of my own with him um, that I'll be posting. <laughs> oh, I'm good. Are you, is that going to be a podcast interview? Um, that will be on my blog on Pathios. Excellent. Okay. And in a moment, I want you to give us your Pathios information, okay? Uh, and sure. when, just now when Kobe was talking about Harold Roth, that's who I mentioned, the author uh, who wrote the book 13 Witching Herbs, uh, when I mentioned those a moment ago. So cannabis would be an entheogenic herb? Yes. Okay. In speaking along the lines of, this is not just a bunch of witches that want to get fucked up. If you think about cannabis and what we are doing with cannabis now, and I'm, I'm of course not speaking to you, Kobe, I'm speaking to the listeners right now. Uh, if you think about what we're doing with cannabis, yeah, you can still roll a blunt and get fucked up on it. You could hit, do bong rips and get really high. Or you can take a tincture or a gummy or some sort of other edible and just enough to like take the anxiety away and you're not messed up you're not high you can take away some of the pain or the pressure you can still function i think that's exactly what kobe what you were talking about a moment ago uh when when you talked about you know the nature of entheogenic herbs and that they're they are so multifaceted and it's not just about getting you know messed up on mushrooms or something so definitely so besides the poisonersapothecary.com which is your website and uh the poisoners apothecary discussion group on facebook where else can somebody find you on the web and you mentioned the patheos uh anywhere else um yeah i'm on 
all the socials, um, Instagram and Facebook under Poisoner's Apothecary. I'm on Twitter under Poison Path. Um, I am a contributing writer as well for the House of Twigs, uh, which is a website. So I've got some articles on there as well. Well, I'll be linking everything that you mentioned in this podcast on the description for this episode. So you, all the listeners uh, right now, you'll be able to find Kobe wherever you go. I will post it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I will tag the heck out of you all over the place. When I asked you what your go-tos were for your poisonous mm-hmm. herbs, what are the properties of those poisonous herbs? If you can remember what you told me, what are the properties of those poisonous herbs that make them your go-tos? Oh gosh. Well, the first one is belladonna. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my primary, and it's it's just because it's the, the single most quintessential witchcraft plant. Absolutely. Um, and I'll argue that all the way home. You know, mandrake, all of that. It's belladonna. You know, she's she's dark, she's seductive, she's dangerous. Um, you know, just all of these elements that sort of wrap wrap together this this idea of a benefica or poisoner, a magical practitioner, um, just sort of that that darker side of things too. Because these plants, they they are a little bit darker, and they do kind of appeal to a more left hand path or mm-hmm. gray practice, for lack of a better word. Um, so that's definitely one of my reasons for Belladonna and also the, the associations with the folkloric devil because I do work with that entity um, quite regularly. Um, Wolfsbane is the queen of poisons. Um, that one to me, I just, I just find it very beautiful. Um, I kind of like the, the idea that it is a very solitary plant. It's all about um, you know, being on your own, being in solitude and kind of gathering, you know, wisdom from your own personal reserves that you, you sort of didn't know you had. So it's kind of like the, the hermit um, in the tarot deck. Oh, perfect. Uh, like in that to, to wolf's thing. Um, and then hellbor is just a really beautiful plant. There's so many different um, hybrids and varietals, um, different, different colors of the flowers that you'll see and all of these really elaborate combinations um it just has a really otherworldly look look at it um, when we look at the more traditional associations of, of black hellbore it was connected to ceremonial magic as a fumigation for um summoning spirits uh, specifically working with the the fixed star algal which is the the eye of medusa um so also just a very witchy kind of a star and witchy association there So I understand also that you're teaching a workshop on ritual and theogens and divination at uh, Witch City Tarot Gathering on June 24th. Where is the Witch City Tarot Gathering? Um, so this is actually a virtual event. Uh, it's based out of uh, Salem, Massachusetts. So typically that's where it would be held in person. Which city? I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't do that math. So sorry. <laughs> that makes perfect sense <laughs> to me now. Okay. So it's virtual and it's at 7 p.m. Uh, that would be Eastern time. Yes. Whichcitytarotgathering.com. And that's June 24th. Is there? Do you know if there's an entrance fee or anything like to sign up? There is, and I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I know we just did a giveaway. Um, they're giving away some free free tickets. I don't think it's any more than maybe $25, $30, but don't quote me on that. Okay. I can actually uh, post their link and 
I can also go to their link and post the price of that if they've got it listed. Yeah. You also said you have both recorded and upcoming live classes available on your website that are classes like flying ointments. And I imagine that's the making of flying ointments, but I could be wrong. Uh, Saturnian herbs and poison plant allies, is that right? And plant spirit familiars, poison path formulary and poison magic. What goes into one of your uh, recorded or live classes about something like flying ointments? Is it is it a, an instructional class? Um, yeah, so it is instructional, instructional with practical information. Uh, I am a big history buff, a big, you know, lore keeper. I like the, the stories, the, the little anecdotes and things. So there's there's definitely some of that too. Um, so flying ointments is, is more of a history of flying ointments, um, the idea of itself and how it's sort of changed and what's influenced it over the years. Um, and then finished is up with um, some information and instructions on actually making one. Perfect. Okay. And what about yeah. the Saturnian herbs and poison plant allies? What goes into that? Um, that one is about an hour long and it is just sort of an intro class on working with Saturnian herbs or herbs that have sort of a darker, more sinister, um, not necessarily poisonous, um, but poisonous herbs do fall within that category. I um, have been kind of on a semi-vacation for the past month or so, um, just sort of working on things behind the scenes, um, building up my website and trying to get some more content on there as far, as, far as um, plant information. That way people have access to that. Um, my reopening date is actually tomorrow at 7 p.m. Um, so you can totally go to the website. You can even place an order if you really wanted to. Uh, it's still open, but tomorrow at 7 p.m. is when I'm going to be releasing all of my new stuff and then restocking all of my old things. Um, so a lot of those necklaces, the phylacteries that you mentioned, uh, my, my Amanita Muscaria tincture, oh, uh, some new extracts. Yeah. And also, uh, at the date that this was recorded, tomorrow is actually... Uh may 21st so by the time you're hearing this listeners uh the shop's open so feel free to go shopping perfect i would like to thank my guest kobe michael for joining me today his book is available for pre-order now like i said and will be released on october 5th 2021 kobe i would love to have you back around the time of your book release yeah that would be awesome okay great thank you so much for joining me today yeah my pleasure thank you there's a brand new episode every Wednesday, and as always, if you have questions or comments about this episode or any episode of this podcast, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear your goddamn motherfucking mask. May you never hunger and may you never thirst. As above, so below. If you liked it, tell a friend and subscribe. I'm Molly Dyer. This is Witchcraft Off the Beaten Path. Thank you.